Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. It's a Thursday. Good to meet uh, up with you uh, uh, again. Big news today. Hogs win 3-2 to last night. Uh, I have chewed my fingers all the way down to the first knuckles. And, man, it was one of those days, one of those nights last night. I thought they were going to throw their game away in the, la- in the p- bottom of the ninth inning. But they prevailed, and uh, they will meet Ole Miss again today to see who goes to the finals against Oklahoma. And that will be determined at 3 o'clock our time this afternoon. So you can watch that game. I think it's going to be on ESPN2. And you can watch the game. Big, big game yesterday. It was a great a great win for the, uh, the Razorback uh, uh, team that they held on and were able to win that game. Hey, we're going to be started off today with from the uh, RNC, uh, the Deputy Communications Director, Nathan Brand, is going to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Nathan, welcome to the show. Welcome to Little Rock. How you doing? Hey, good morning, Dave. I'm happy to be with you. Well, it's good to be to have you here. I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in Congress right now with this uh, new gun legislation that the senators put together. And I'm beginning to hear a lot of pushback from the uh, the Republican Party. Uh, is that what you all are seeing? So, yeah, the uh, um, Senate is taking up legislation that a group of bipartisan senators put together um the legislation they're hoping it came in response obviously to recent shootings um, across the country um the current proposal they are taking up likely today um it's passed one procedural hurdle already would um mostly do um it's congress so they're going to shell out a little bit of money for a handful of different things including um crisis intervention programs new mental health things and then it's got some other uh, more gun-focused items, such as closing the boyfriend loophole, which essentially is uh, kind of bars folks who have misdemeanor domestic violence charges and um, has some new requirements for those ages 18 to 21. And then also has a um, um, new requirements for those um, selling um, firearms, if it's your sole source of income, et cetera. So, yes, they are, they are taking this up. Um, likely today or tomorrow, and there is some division between the uh, um, Republican senators. All 50 Democrats are somewhat on board with what they've put forward. Um, your senators so far have expressed concern about the bill. Tom Cotton came out um, and said the bill um, would not stop a lot of the violent shooting we've seen from folks, and he believes also that 
um, restricts freedom for law-abiding Americans. So I think there's a lot of debate to be had today. I think one of the next steps um, your listeners should keep an eye out for is the amendment process that comes up next in the Senate. Does someone like Tom Cotton come through and say, hey, let's pass these amendments? Ted Cruz has already um, suggested he's going to offer a few. Um, so keep an eye on that today. I think that's probably where the next step for this bill. Yeah, Nathan, one of the things that I have seen that uh, some people do not like is the whole red flag part of this uh, law and uh, that the federal government wants to send money to states uh, to facilitate red flag laws. And as we all know, when federal money ends up in the hands of states, it always comes with strings. And people are really, really concerned about that. Yes, and they are. Many states don't have a quote-unquote red flag law, given the due process concerns with those kinds of um, policies. Obviously, your, your listeners are smart, and they understand that red flag laws basically go to a judge, say this person is no longer deemed fit to own a firearm. There's no due process recourse That's correct. to be accused of that. So um, there are, I think, Republicans and um, some Democrats are even alarmed by this, too. So basically said, we will figure out kind of a roundabout way to this. What they're saying is we will fund folks who are looking at options on this. Um, obviously, a lot of states across the country don't have these laws, so the money won't go to a lot of these states. Um, many states have, um, have different ways to address some of the mental um, health issues that potential um, violent individuals have, but there are still due process um, options in place for them. They don't just say, hey, here's here's what the judge said. You can no longer have your Second Amendment rights. So there's um, well, the beauty of our country is we've got 50 states, and they all approach these laws very differently, and um, hopefully that will continue to be respected by the federal government and um, the, the Senate as well. So they're they're playing they're they're dancing around it a little bit with this uh, um, make it kind of tie it to money rather than saying hey we are going to do a federal red flag law which would be <laughs> would be a red flag for a lot of Americans who um, love their Second Amendment rights if they went down that road. Yeah, the uh, the polling that I've seen shows that uh, a majority of Republicans are against that and a majority of independents are against that. Would that give the party some pause to concern, uh, to think about this? Yeah, and I don't know. I haven't seen the exact polling you're looking at here, and there's a lot of a lot of debate among different Republicans on how best to approach gun violence. Um, and much of the, the gun violence we're seeing today, this is the thing that Democrats do not want to talk about. As much of the gun violence we see today is in urban environments, inner cities, who have soft on crime policies, and they're all run by Democrats. These are communities that have um, had Democrat rule for decades and have some of the strictest gun laws on the books. I'm, I'm calling you from Washington, D.C. here, and it is near impossible to get um, a gun here in, in Washington, D.C. You gotta bring it across, they can't even buy it here. You gotta bring it across um, state lines and go through all sorts of requirements to even just own a handgun. Um, yet, uh, D.C. has some of the strictest laws and they have some of the most violent still. We have shootings every weekend here. And it's not because there's not enough laws on the books, it's because um, in many cases you don't allow law-abiding citizens to defend themselves. And you are letting criminals and uh, career criminals back on the street over and over and over again. So um, I think one thing that Republicans are very unified on, even though there's some debate being had in the Senate right now on a number of these provisions, is 
we do need to address those violent criminals who shouldn't shouldn't be they've been in jail they've they've uh, done time and we continue to let them out and that's where a lot of this violence is being stemmed from all right I only had you for 10 minutes. I've got you at 9 and, and 15 right now, so I'm going to let you go. you got other uh, interviews to do, but I thank you for giving us some time today. Nathan, uh, Nathan Brand, the uh, RNC's Deputy Communications Director, let's talk about uh, some things about the uh, election coming up in November here in a few weeks. What do you say? That sounds great, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Uh, Good to have him along with us, and uh, that's got to be a tough place to be right now, be a communications person, and uh, you've got two competing views about gun control going on within your party, and uh, amongst party members, the majority of them do not subscribe uh, to uh, red flag laws. Uh, That was a Rasmussen poll poll that I was uh, quoting from that came out Tuesday that said that I think it was 71% of Republicans are not in favor of any red flag laws or anything to facilitate red flag uh, laws and uh, 58% of independents. So that that's something that uh, they will have to take into consideration. Easton Towing wants you to know if some if you get on the side of the road, you need some help. You call them; they know what to do. They'll take care of you. You just uh, call them at five zero one eight 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 eighty eight forty nine. Now I've I've suggested that you put that in your phone, uh, put it in your contacts, and uh, I'm going to suggest that again this morning because. You know, you don't want to be wondering, well, who do I call to take care of my car? You'll know that East End Towing will do that. Uh, They have been in all those situations with different people. And no matter that situation, they can handle it for you. Again, their number is 501-888-8849. Title IX, 50 years old today. We'll talk about that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back into the show today, the uh, 50th anniversary of Title IX. Why is, what is Title IX? There's a lot of people that are probably thinking that right now, as I mentioned it here on the show. Title IX is what ended up giving women, uh, women, biological women, uh, the ability to uh, play competitive sports in um, in school. Uh, that, that was its main uh, effect. Uh, here in the country. It was signed by Richard Nixon on this day back in 1972. And what was I doing in 72 at, on the, at this time? Oh, I know what I was doing. I was back. I was in Inland Steel. I was working at Inland Steel in the open hearth, number one open hearth, as I was uh, paying for my way through college. That's what I was doing. And it was hotter than blazes there. I can, t- <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I didn't didn't matter what temperature so much was outside. Inside it was hot around those open hearts. But uh, this is a big deal. It was a big deal then. It's a big deal now. Uh, I've not talked about it in depth, but I I work to go out and to uh, talk to you know the. Uh, Lions clubs and uh, all the different local clubs, key clubs, all the rest of us, and uh, talked about uh, Title IX, why I thought it was a a necessary 
uh, law for our country. Because here's what I saw when I was in high school. Uh, I graduated in 71, and there was no Title IX. And uh, all this money that came for sports went to the guys for uh, mainly football and basketball. And then you had other money that was spread out for baseball, track and field, swimming, things, wrestling, things of that nature. But for the most part, all the money was going to football. And uh, it was that way as well uh, in the collegiate ranks. And so they decided they needed to give uh, the girls the chance uh, to compete because there was a lot of females that wanted to compete. They wanted to play sports. You know, I know there's a lot of you young females right now that cannot envision that uh, there were there there was no real women's basketball. The basketball that was played when I was in school is that the girls played uh, half court basketball. You had your offense on one side, and you had your defense on the other side. And the ball would be passed back and forth between uh, those sides, and that's how they played. They didn't play by the same rules that the guys did. You know, jump ball, move it down the court, set up, uh, you know, the corner offense, things of that nature. They didn't do that. They didn't allow them to do that. Uh, In fact, at my high school, the only uh, sport that the girls got to play, and many of you will uh, remember when they would have uh, powder puff games. Do you remember that term, powder puff games? Uh, The girls would play flag football against each other. Typically, I know at my high school, it was the senior girls, and they would would verse up against the the juniors and sophomore girls because my high school was only three grades. So uh, that was the football they got to play. They didn't have track teams, and they didn't have a, uh, the volleyball teams that they have today, and, uh, and, and on and on and on. And uh, that changed with Title IX. It took several years, but uh, once they uh, unleashed the athletic potential of these women, they showed that they could play sports very, very well. And now you watch, you know, I know over the last few months I've watched uh, women's fast-pitch softball. I'm a big, big fan of that. I won a national award for covering high school uh, fast-pitch women's uh, softball uh, back in the 80s from the Women's Sports Foundation. Flew me to New York and all the rest. I sat at at a table with Nancy Hogshead, who was an Olympic swimmer, and uh, Susan Butcher, and uh, she was the first female to ever win the Iditarod up in uh, Alaska. So I got to meet them. I met Billie Jean King and some other uh, great uh, Donna De- uh, Deverona. I met her, too. Uh, some great female athletes. And now you see uh, female sports. Uh, it's a lot of fun to go out and watch them compete. And they get uh, college scholarships uh, in high school to go compete in sports. Uh, Now the big war is with transgender athletes and how that's taking away uh, the chances for scholarships for uh, many females. I mean, uh, I get a quote from uh, Jennifer 
Basuris. She's the director of Independent Women's uh, Law Center, uh, saying single-sex sports are allowed. That's well, that's what Title IX was. Anytime a transgender woman athlete is allowed to compete, a violation of the wall of this law happens, and that's uh, this is you know this whole argument uh, has just erupted over the last few years, and I think it's going to go on for a few more years. But if we're going to be, I think, um, cognizant of the fact of what Title IX was, then we'll understand that deals with biological women. Now, I'm understanding that the uh, Biden administration wants to change some of the wording of that and uh, make it a kind of a transgender law. Well, that's not what the law was passed for. I find it interesting Billie Jean King, who started the Women's Sports Foundation, now has left the Women's Sports Foundation. And uh, there's a new group that has begun. And a lot of the people that I mentioned uh, earlier, Nancy Hogshead, uh, De Verona, and some others, Billie Jean King, have started a new group uh, dealing for, you know, women— uh, who are women, and I know what a woman is uh, biologically, as I know most of you do who are listening. You, If you were sitting in front of a, a Senate panel, if someone asked you who, what a woman was, you wouldn't look back at them and say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a, a professor of biology. You wouldn't say that. You, you could easily... Uh, tell somebody what a woman is. I mean, that's that's how dumb we've gotten in this country and how people want to play semantics and don't want to deal with the truth. I mean, you've got people like the, the governor of New York on now that talk about menstruating people. Now, why do they say that? Well, they say that so that they can include and um, make uh, – transgender people feel good for a, uh, a a woman who feels like a man says that she's a man well she's a, mis- a menstruating person can't don't call her a woman you're getting all kinds of guff with the left if you do that they uh, they continue as uh, they always do to change the dictionary and the lexicon and always remember one of my major rules of life is simply this when you use a word and the left uses the same word, don't think that it means the same thing. Make sure you're speaking from the same dictionary, because if you're not, then you'll find out when you say woman, they'll think, well, that's a man, too. That's just the way that uh, they, they do things. But anyway, today, the 50th anniversary of Title Nine and uh Jan DeLaurel and and uh, some other people that I remember from high school, uh, young ladies at that time, 16, 17 years old, that wanted to be able to play sports and, and were working hard towards Title IX and, and trying to uh, sit down and educate people about what Title IX was all about and to get the opportunity. And they knew it not for them, but it was going to be – in the future, and they would talk about, I want my daughters to be able to play sports. Uh, they succeeded in uh, helping uh, to further that 
thought process and and those freedoms and um, I I hope today they're thinking about uh, it 50 years later it's a major major uh, difference uh, in our country as far as that although some people are trying to to take it away all right we'll, we'll go back to talking about guns here in just a moment uh, it's, yeah, Carrie's here. Come on in, Carrie. I'll put you in the, the middle chair there. That was it. Carrie Murphy's here. They're going to have a uh, a gun show this weekend. We're going to talk about that. Are you giving away a AR-15? Oh, we're going to give away, yes, yeah, something of that nature. Okay, well, we've got to talk about it. It's just now, you know, we're back into the 90s again where you say AR-15. It's a terrible, terrible thing that you're saying. You know, you shouldn't be mentioning it. Oh yeah, it's an assault rifle. It's an assault rifle. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what they all are. We have worked so hard to get people from saying that, and now they'll say semi-automatic, but they'll say a semi-automatic assault rifle. Yeah, I mean it's (laughs) not. It's yeah, handguns, everything. It's all assault. Yeah. Well, a knife can be an assault weapon. You know, a baseball bat. When I was in high school, baseball bat was an assault weapon. Well, I think it's just going to get to where they start trying to get anything over you know they're going to start with like oh 10 rounds 10 rounds or more and that's going to knock out a bunch of handguns oh, and stuff yeah. and they're going to say oh you don't need that many you well, don't need the that president many. said got to get rid of those nine you, millimeters i just want you to have a shotgun that you shoot off your balcony On and the, scare people away yeah, well he wants you to do that and he wants you to shoot people in the legs Jeez. <laughs> okay well we'll come back with carrie we'll talk to him about all of this he and i love to get together and talk about this stuff we really do and we'll tell you about uh, the gun show that's coming up this weekend and that you should be going to it back with you sitting in the studio here carrie murphy is in the studio studio as well we're going to talk to him in just a moment i want to remind you about david lucas financial your nest egg you know that thing that you're putting together for when you want to retire or maybe you're changing your mind a little bit because of the way that the economic system is looking right now in america i think we're looking down the throat of recession coming up and you're going, what do I do to protect my, you know, my, uh, my nest egg? Well, most people will tell you that you should have precious metals. You should have some silver. You should have some gold. You should have about 15% of that, in fact, in your nest egg. But how do you go by, about buying uh, silver and gold? Uh, it's not like buying a stock. You know, it's not like buying a bond. Uh, well, then you need to call David Lucas Financial. They'll walk you through all of that. They're going to, as I like to say, they're going to educate you. Uh, you call them at 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. And uh, they'll, they'll explain, uh, explain to you why they work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. That way you're going to get your, your direct prices uh, from a dealer you can trust. And you, all of the ins and outs you need to know about buying silver and gold do you buy certificates do you buy the the metal do you buy you know a a percentage of one and a percentage of the other they'll walk you through all of that 501-222-3315 i've known david lucas and he's been on my show for low a half but 12 12 years now i think maybe more and uh, he's ready to help you out Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, so about every few months, 
Carrie comes on in and sits down in the studio here. And uh, we talked about a gun show that's coming up. There's going to be one in Benton. We'll tell you all about it, when it's going to be open, where it's going to be, how much it's going to cost to get in. But my question to you, Carrie, there's got to be a, a sense of nervousness and a sense of I got to get ammo now because who knows what Biden's got up his sleeve. Yeah, uh there's all the rumors out there about you know shorting ammo that the military the lakeland uh ammo depot or lake they're not allowing the federal government buys ammo from you know different you know people and hey, lakeland's one of them and they said you can't sell any five five six two two three to the public if you're going to sell to the military so 70 percent or 75 percent of their sales is military so of course they're going to take theirs 30 percent of theirs is off the market now 30 percent of the ar8 so what's that going to do it's going to drive up the price everybody's going to buy more and that's what happened last weekend and ar's uh armor light rifles and uh, assault uh, shotguns. It doesn't mean assault rifles. <laughs> no, no, your 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 self defense <laughs> shotguns, right? And uh, handguns and ammo were flying off the shelves last weekend hey, in Louisiana. I have uh, since uh, we've seen each other last. I bought an AK-14, uh, 12 gauge, uh, semi-automatic shotgun, and dude. I'm liking it. Oh, yeah, the, the bull pups and all them from Keltec and all them short shotguns, I that double barrel that has out, Oh, they? man, yeah. When, yeah, they're, they're, they're all all going. Now, it has a lot of – some of them have crazy clips. They got one one clip was like a almost a banana-style clip for 12-gauge shotgun and held like 30 rounds. Oh, yeah. Well, that's heavier than the – I mean, how are you going to carry that box of ammo around I me? Mean, that's a lot of weight to – well, Try it's to. like that, you know. Mine, if I want, I can I can buy uh, the cylinder. It holds fifty rounds, uh, and not, I said, "Yeah, forty pounds." You yeah, know, I'm not going to carry that around. No, but it. But there's a lot of stuff out there like that that's self defense, and um, you know, and everybody has should have the right to to have it. Second Amendment. So we're out there supporting that all the time and we give away a fire we don't give away not we do that some but that's not our main prize some places give you a gift card you know yeah well i'm not giving you a 25 five dollar gift card to walmart i'm giving you yeah you can't buy a gun there no i'm giving <laughs> i'm you're gonna win a rifle or a, a, a tactical shotgun yeah something like that that you can you know a fill shotgun out, you, with a pistol grip that's well yeah they have some rails on it may have a flashlight and the, you know may you you know, it's going to be it's going to be decked out. But. I want a weapon of war. <laughs> you know, <laughs> man, I, that that gets you know. I, I'm you know, people that may not know. I was in the Marine Corps and in the war, and and I, my MOS is a O three thirty one. So I'm a machine gunner. So I you know shot machine guns, Mark nineteens, which is grenade launcher. I mean, you know, I'll, deuce 50 cows so i and i taught them too so i was all around you know automatic weapons and um these are not weapons of war these are just i know a 30 odd six you pull the trigger to shoot a deer you can have you know six eight rounds you know in the in the magazine and the same thing with an ar it's just you pull the trigger one round goes down range that's it yeah i got a 308 all right that's what i deer hunt with that used to be the weapon of choice for the army and for the marines for sniper rifle and uh, it it holds three rounds each time i f- i fill it up it goes three rounds so it's semi-automatic 
I love that rifle. That that rifle shoots so flat, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and and you know, in the core, they teach you one shot, one kill. You know, that's oh, the, the aim. And we and we shot with iron sights. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn with the scopes. new scopes and all that <laughs> stuff. I, I, you know, I had to learn how to use the EOTech. You know, that's uh, anyway. It, but the point is, is that any kind of gun, even a single barrel, you know, shotgun. That's gonna it can kill somebody, you know. Uh-huh. In the Wild West, they had six shooters, and they they kill people all the time. Smith and Wesson, brother. That's right. So it's it's the person behind it. It's the the evil that um, not caring for her life, and um, and the moral decay. Uh, you know who who knows what brought that on. You know when we were in school, I had a shotgun in the two rifles in the back of my so did I window of my truck and parked at school. And when we left school, we went squirrel hunting. Or hunt, you know, we boom right to the woods and squirrel hunt that afternoon till dark, you know, and can't do that anymore. I know you you can't even chew a, a pop tart in the shape of a gun. You go to jail. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, it's a perp walk for that that third grader to yeah, get to the class. You're exactly, you know, I laugh, but it's true. No, that was in the news. That's yeah. I mean, that's so it's it's all the been a slow walk of demonizing weapons and it's due to the left trying to get to one end goal and that's to to take them yeah and i and i wholeheartedly agree with you i love having you on to talk about this so uh, are you going to have a lot of uh, uh ammunition sales going on this oh, weekend yeah we've got ammunition there we've got tons of guns 12 uh, gauge we're gonna tw- have that buckshot oh buckshot 12 gauge uh specialty shot stuff uh dragon's breath you know where it shoots some flames 30 foot out you know <laughs> So you, I don't you, need that. Well, you know, you people know. have p- trash piles. Yeah, I and, and you don't want to light that match so close to that 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 brush pile you're going to burn. Yeah, so after, you shoot after, it with some. You put on three <laughs> gallons of gas. Yeah, you got to load it up with diesel, <laughs> and then you shoot it with dragon's breath, and you're far enough away, and there you go. You know, the fire's lit. You're safe. No, no problem. But. Famous last words. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the uh, uh, we we got a, a full house. We're sold out for vendors i mean wow, it's really? packed and got a wait list of like 30 and benton's always a great show and they're everybody's trying to get in and the facility's awesome the parking and so when you come in there you get a chance to you get a door prize drawing form and we're going to give away either a tactical shotgun or an ar for this oh that's cool this show so that's always good all right let's talk about dates let's talk about times let's talk about costs and then we'll take a break it's this Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the 25th and 26th at the Benton Event Center, and you can GPS that. It's going to be Saturday from 9 to 5 and Sunday from 9 to 4. And so uh, if you come in the door, adults, it's uh, $10, and that's good for both days. So if you come Saturday, you're going to get back in free Sunday. Age 11 to 15 is $5, and 10 and under is free. And if you're a military, a veteran, police, or fire, you get $2 off. So if you're a veteran, come on down. You, you pay $8, and you get back in free Sunday. So you can shop around, look what you want. And if you want to come back, you know, oh, I forgot. To, I need to get me something else, or I need a scope or something else to go with that. And you come back Sunday for free and get you something else. I think i got to come and look around. I need I need 
12-gauge buckshot. So I think I'll come over and see what's uh, what's for sale for that. We'll be back. We'll talk further with uh, Carrie Murphy here on the Dave Ellswick Show and uh, go over those times and those prices again. And then uh, we'll kick around uh, this new uh, legislation that they're talking about up in Washington, D.C. Uh, don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Been around for 40 years. 40 years. Eric Coleman loves doing jewelry. He's an artisan. You want something done uh, and made uh, as a, a custom design, you go see, uh, go see him. Go see Eric, and he can make whatever it is you want. Maybe you've got jewelry that... Uh, you know, your wife got from her mom, and you want to melt it down and make it into something else. He can do that for you. He's got a machine that sits right there in his lobby when you go visit him, and they can design that ring for you uh, on the computer, and then it can do the wax mold the whole nine yards. Eric is uh, a full-service jeweler, so he can do that. He can do the repairs for you. He's got a lot of... Uh, of uh, material that he's got for sale in uh, in his uh, cases for you and got some beautiful things. I bought something from my wife last Christmas over at, at Eric's, and she wears it every day. I listened to him, and I got her a pair of stud diamond earrings. She never takes them out. She never t- – he was right. He told me that on the air. He said she'll never take them out, Dave, and she hasn't. And so I got her those, and I got her one of those uh, paperclip necklaces, uh, the, the platinum gold ones. Spent a little extra to get the platinum gold, but, man, she she will not even remove that uh, from her neck. You can, do this, you can get the same service that I got. Go to Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, Suite E. They're open Monday through Saturday. Uh, 10 in the morning to 6 in the evening, and uh, you can call them as well if you want to sit down and talk uh, with uh, Eric at 501-246-3655. We are here, and we are talking with uh, Kerry Murphy. It's good to have him with us. I, I always tell you that because it is. He's a friend of mine. I mean, and, and, and he's done so well. I remember when he was basically just getting started. Now, man, you're blowing and going. You're yeah. not only in Arkansas, you're in Louisiana. You over in Mississippi as well? No, Texas. Texas? Getting in the, but when, when are you going to go to Mississippi? Well, and I, I've got enough of my plate. If I get any more. <laughs> the problem is, Dave, gun shows are weekends. Boat and outdoor shows right. are weekends. Right. Well, my wife is off on weekends. Oh. And she likes I, to have I, around I, I'm, I'm 30 weeks out of the year already. If I had any more, I might as well just be on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. I'll be going hotel to hotel. So. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I really do. But let's let's talk about the show that's coming up this weekend. Again, it's Saturday and Sunday. It's at the Benton Event Center. Uh, that's over there by the theater uh, in Benton. Right. You, you can find it. It's just like he said. Just punch it into your Maps app, and uh, it'll take you right there. Uh, opens up at nine o'clock on, on both days. Correct? Right. Both days. Nine to five on Saturday, and nine to four on Sunday. 
All right. And um, so we draw for the rifle on Sunday at 2.30. You don't have to be present. You don't have to be present. We'll call you. And then you have, you come back in. No, you have to come back in by 4 to uh, do the paperwork because you have to pass. You, of course, you can't be a felon and win it. We do a background. I mean, you, know, you do the paperwork and get it from an FFL well, dealer. Now, see, that's one of the things people don't understand. They think that you walk into a gun show. And it's the Wild West or something. You just walk in, buy anything that you want, and, no. No, and nobody knows what you are that you're buying. No. Uh, 90, 90, 95% of the people are FFL dealers. You have to run the background check and everything, just like you do at a Bass Pro or a uh, Academy, you know, one of the stores that sell it. Right. But now there are individuals that will sell their collection, you know. They'll be going out. Like, there's a lot of – right now, There was a, there's a lot of folks that aren't into hunting or guns. And so the guy that's been – collecting grandpa's been collecting for a while well he's got he's like well they're not going to know what to sell them. they're not going to take them they don't want them so i'm going to sell them now and, and do something with the money yeah and so travel. He, so he comes to yeah he comes to sell his uh gun sometimes it's a widow she calls me and and she wants to you know he passed and she just wants to sell them they're not going the kids pick out a couple rifles they want and uh-huh. and so but anyway them folks come in and, and they'll sell theirs and uh do a bill of sale and sometimes they run through a, a check, but uh, you know. And then there's the antique dealers from World War II and others that they'll deal in military artifacts and weapons, and so not machine guns. You can't sell a machine gun. You have to have a class three license. It's not just I can't even go buy one. I don't have a class three, so it's not. People don't. They will have. Sometimes there will be a machine gun at the show for looks. You know, just right. for like a display. Uh, if you had a class three license or a, or a, a law enforcement, you know, yeah, they might can buy it, but they have to. It's a, a stringent uh, process to go through to get something like that. Well, it's like everything else with the federal government. If you have enough money, they'll let you buy it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but I am not paying ten thousand dollars for no, a machine. No, no. If no, you're Ted that. Nugent though, and you got two thirty cows, you, know, you can do that. Yeah. I, have you ever read his book, Red, White, and Ted? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. And he talks about the parties that he has where uh, they decide to have a shooting party. And he'll buy a whole pallet of thirty cal machine gun rounds and uh, spend the whole weekend shooting the, the thirty cows. Well, you know, I had a, a fundraiser when I did when I was in politics. Used to be on city council, and then right. that ran. Well, I would have fundraisers that was we'd go out to the range at Hamid's, and we would shoot. Yeah, I'd machine guns. I, I, yeah. I had a guy that was a class three. He would be there, bring his machine guns, and we you could buy magazines, and we we would shoot all kinds. We uh, World War Two Tommy guns. I mean, it was uh, zip guns. I mean, it was it was cool to shoot stuff. Did you have a Thompson? Yes. Oh, yes, we did. And I had—I wish I'd known that I'd come out just oh, to shoot that. It was a lot of fun, but you know we did that, and even for the specialty deal, we had a, a motorized motorboat out in the pond, and somebody's <laughs> driving that, and you had to try to shoot the motorboat as it's going around the pond. Oh, you that's know, fun and sink it. But I didn't think about that till after the fact that the actual toy boat was going to be in the bottom of Hamid's pond so we had, we, you know, we had to we had to rethink that one for the next time yeah how's Hamid doing uh, it's fine i haven't seen him in a couple of months i've been so busy but um everything out the people still going out there he's yeah. a good, good guy got to know Hamid when he uh had the had the was it luigi's yeah yeah when he, long time when he ago run the, yeah. run the, run the, went the, from thing. making italian food to uh you know 
selling bullets. Yeah, good. He's a great guy. You're a great guy. Most of the people that are part of the, and I consider myself on the peripheral of the gun culture because I I don't get it's a out family of that. and it's fun, man. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the people that are at the show and come to the show and the vendors, they're they're um, they're not people that are nefarious doing stuff you know i mean they're they're out there just making a living trying to provide or or they do it as a hobby some of them just as a hobby reloading or something and and uh you can get it handmade custom knives we've got them kind of people there at the show and and that's uh always not neat to you know get a knife like that that's handmade i promise you i'll be there this weekend oh it's it's gonna be a lot to look at number one i need some buckshot so i'll bring my uh I bring my checkbook because I know that it's not cheap. Well, it, you know, it hasn't gotten up there. I know thirty on six. I was pricing this twenty twenty five a box, and thirty thirty. Some guys have been looking for that. Everybody calls me when I'm out of town because I can find ammo. I usually right. so they'll call me and text me, "Hey, I need this. I need that." And uh, that's twenty five. You know, uh, box. Some of it's getting to thirty, but um, you know, five five six uh, last. Uh, Weekend, the guys had a, a case of it. It was seven fifty. That's not bad. No green tip. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, my, but now look, got my it, attention. It's going to be going up. Get there early. You know, everything's yeah. going to be going back up now. Yeah, it's I agree. just all renewed again. And and um, anyway, that's what happens. Well, I may come by because I I can pick up a couple boxes of of twelve gauge. You know, I'd like to get, I'd like to do that. But anyway, it's going to be Saturday and Sunday in Benton, Benton Event Center. Uh, if you don't know how to get there, punch it into your Maps app on your phone, and uh, that'll give you the directions you need. Uh, give them the cost of it again. It starts at nine o'clock both mornings. Nine o'clock, uh, Saturday, nine to five, and it's ten dollars to get in for adult age eleven to fifteen. It's five dollars. Ten and under is free. Military, veteran, police, fire, you get two dollars off. Uh, show your credentials or. You know, let me know. I can I can tell if you're I'll a faker. My, I'll wear my hat that says veteran on it. How's that? Uh, that yeah, that's <laughs> it. Somebody said, well, anybody can buy one of them hats. I said, yeah, but they can't talk the lingo. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. Know, I don't have my DD-214. No, you don't have to bring I that. Carry, carry it in my wallet. I don't you, do that. Yeah, no. We, we're a pretty trusting crew. So uh, you get stamped. You get back in free on Sunday. Come right. on out. Come out. Have some fun. If you need ammo, it's the place to go. And you just never know what you're going to see being offered there. That's what's cool. And, and then check out some of the uh, the guys that are there selling uh, the, those big uh, uh, World War II exhibits and stuff. Well, it's amazing. And, and we have uh, we have things, too, for ladies. I mean, if you want a different type of gun or a different color, uh, there's even a few things other than that. If you're not interested and you just come in with your husband and you don't, you know, you want to look at some other stuff, there's some things. All right. Carrie, thank you very much for coming in this morning. Appreciate Good it. Good to see you. Get to the gun show this weekend out at the Benton Event Center. I will tell you this much. This morning in Cabot, Arkansas, if your last name is Morris, 
everybody would be buying you breakfast. Yes. I'm just, <laughs> but what about the, the pitcher? The pitcher that, that closed out the game last night was from Cabot. What about the that Smith kid? kid? M- Morris. Oh, he played. I mean, he, he pitched, pitched well. Good five innings. He was weird, though. He'd be pitching and. He'd be, guys be striking out, and that slider was working, then all of a sudden he couldn't find the plate again. Yep. He throwed six in a row, and then he come up and throw uh, seven strikes. Yeah, it was just weird. It was just strange. He had, he had him chasing that fastball last night, though, and then he had him chasing that slider. He, he'd throw that slider in there, and he'd curve back to In the him. first two innings, they were chasing the fastball. The last three innings he pitched, he got that slider going. And uh, they were talking. Did you see him when they were talking about it on the air? They were showing how much further his slider breaks than other pitchers. Yeah. And so, you know, they're chasing it where they think it's going to be. And it's like two and a half feet further outside yeah, they, for a left handed hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them hitters didn't even get close to, to the ball. No. No, they looked foolish up at the plate. They, the, they really did. The big guy they put in there, Van. Uh, I can't think of his Ben Van something another. Oh, that kid from uh, Ole Miss. Yeah, whose father pitched. Yeah, yeah, he could throw the ball. Yeah, he he was a. Uh, <laughs> Did he and he lost the strike zone too. Yep, but it, it was the the umpire kind of called it for both sides kind of irregular. I mean, one yeah. time he'd throw a pitch up there and it'd be a strike. Next time he'd throw it same spot. Ball. And they call it a ball outside. I hear him. You can hear he, him. Then he called outside. a bunch of them outside on both sides. I mean, he yeah. didn't just do it for Arkansas or other, but they'd be way outside plate, and he'd call them strike. I can tell you, as a former pitcher <laughs> in college, all right, you could get along with a, a, a an umpire that had a real narrow strike zone or even a, a, a real wide strike zone. What you couldn't get along with is that you didn't know what the strike zone was. Yeah. Then, then it got bad. It was terrible for you. So anyway, now, yeah. The, the Auburn game, yeah. That umpire, he had a tight strike you zone. You better believe it. You but, better have been right in the strike zone, or it was ball. But it was both teams. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. And that's all you can ask. Yes. You know, you can only ask that they call. If they're going to call that a ball on me, they're going to call it a ball on so the other guy. The kid yeah. that slid into second base, Dave, do you think he was out or safe? Which one? The the, the guy that took the double in the ninth, mm-hmm. in the eighth? He was safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I he, so he was probably a half a hand in before the guy laid the Well, they was hollering that his hand hit the glove when he was sliding in. No. But the glove, but the glove never moved. And the umpire... He was standing right on top of it, you know, watching it. So you'd have had to see the backside of that. Yeah, that was the deal. We only seen the front side. That, well, that's true. That's you know. true. And the but umpire the was behind he that. Was right he, there. He called it safe, and so you yeah. know. Hey. Yeah, I liked the way he did it. He wasn't. He didn't just Mm-mm. you know give it this. He gets. Yeah, that real mm-hmm. that real fast move. See, <laughs> yeah. I gotta love that guy. But it was a good ball game. That I, was that was one of the closest ball games that had been played up there. Mark, my buddy, texted me after the game. He mm-hmm. says, you can go change your underwear now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the, in the ninth inning, I thought, oh, no. My my wife walked out of the living room. She did not want to be there because <laughs> I'm sitting there watching that game. I'm going, what is going on? Yeah. You know, it's, it's wrapped up, guys. Just make the guy hit the ball. You got eight, as my coach used to say, you got eight men behind you, all right. Let them feel, put it in. Let them put it in play. 
And that's what Morris did. He struck out, too. And yeah. then that last guy hit a little pop fly out there to right field. Yep, and he run up there and got it. Game over. I thought we were in trouble when battles run all the way back to the other. right field. Yeah, what's he doing well, back there? Well, he then? called it. I understand that, but 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 way out of his area. Well, I agree. Yeah, but he would have made the catch. He was there. Yeah. I mean, I but he. But I was just proud to if you, outfielder held on to it. Yeah, if you watch that, he's about six feet away from the outfielder, and he's he's giving him. I got it. I got it. Well, if that's the case, then you peel off if you're the outfielder. And but they were both looking it, straight up. It. Yeah, they was both looking up. So they, you know. I'll just say that maybe the guy didn't hear him. All right, but battle was calling it. I remember a few years ago where that happened. Yeah, and it cost us the ball game, and then it cost us the World Series. Yep. You know, so yeah, you, you, if the other guy calls it, whether you think he's going to get it or not. You give it to him. It's on him, then, as far as that goes. What, what about the outfielders out there in, in the uh, right field? Right field. Having, did you hear the, the reason they think they're having so much problem out there? It's just not the sun. It's because uh, the college players don't play in stadiums that have a second deck. And so that ball is coming out towards them. Coming out of the dark. It's coming out of the dark and then coming over and into the sun. And they kind of lose it. And yeah. they lose it. Yeah. They can't see it. Yeah, that guy the other day, I mean, he, he he didn't have no idea where the ball was. It could have hit him into, up in the head, and he never knew it was coming. Yeah, well, we've seen somebody get in the head when we, when we played uh, Stanford. Remember a kid out in, mm-hmm. in left field went all the way back, and he hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that jarred him, and then the ball hit him right on top of the noggin. Mm-hmm. And if it happened to hit the button on your hat, that really hurts. It, mm-hmm. That smarts when that happens. But it, it's been some good ball games up there. Yeah. Most of them have not been as close as that one no. last night. Last night was a really good ball game. Yep. It and, was really both good. both teams played good. Yeah. I hope it's the same way today. First pitch, 3 o'clock. ESPN two. Yeah, they said they're moving Be it up there. because the rain's talking well, about coming. I in. had heard they were talking last night they're going at one, but then I checked today and it said they're going at three. three. Yep. And I looked at and look, I got on my weather app and I checked it out and they said Omaha, Nebraska, there's a thirty thirty percent chance of uh, a shower. So if so you ask me, that means you got a seventy percent chance you're going to play under dry. So I'm yeah. fine about that. Let's let's get it on. Boy, I got my fingers and toes and my eyes crossed. I'm, I'm really hoping that we get to the championship. I do, too. Although, can we beat Oklahoma? Oklahoma is playing very, very well. Yeah, they sent uh, A&M on home. Yeah, they did. That guy got up there and was the first time he hits a three-run dinger. Yep. Yeah. That's the way it goes. All right. 7-14. We'll get back to cars now here okay. when we come back. <laughs> that was worth talking about, though. That was that was a great game last night. I wanted to go to bed, but I wasn't going to bed when you got bases loaded and nobody out. Yep. That was not going to happen. All right, when we come back, let's talk about uh, Doug. He's got a 2003 Dodge Durango, and he wants to know about the oil pan bolt. His is stripped. What does he do? Uh, let's talk about bumper-to-bumper. Uh, bumper uh, bumper to bumper makes it possible for this hour to happen on the Dave Ellswick show. Uh, I have utmost respect for them. They are the uh, company that puts on the uh, bumper to bumper, of course, car and truck show on Saturdays, and then the uh, 
to car show every year mm-hmm. uh, when we don't have COVID. <laughs> uh, out at uh, enclosed uh, when we're out in, in Conway, although now it's getting big enough that we're outside as well. Um, got my fingers crossed that next year, 200 cars. Be nice. I'd we like got, to see we that. We got pretty yeah. close this year. What yeah. we had, 165? Oh, that guy's right, yeah. Yeah, 165, 168, somewhere along the way. Yeah, that was good. And they were awesome automobiles Good-looking cars. Yeah, they were some good-looking ones for that. All right, but that's not what you care about when you talk about bumper-to-bumper. You want to know, is the bumper-to-bumper certified service centers where Duck's Garage or Joe's Garage or uh, all the different people who uh, appear here on 101.1 FM, the uh, answers on Saturdays, uh, they get their parts from bumper to bumper. Can they get the parts now? And I, I guess I'm going to have to say, for the most part, yes. Sure, we're getting doing doing a good job. Bumper to bumper is on the supplying us. Yeah, there, there's some things that nobody's got, and we have to order and wait on. But that's that's just their you know supply and demand issues. But for the most part, bumper to bumper is uh, giving us good quality parts, good price, and good service, and that's what we like about them, right, Doug? Yeah. Uh, speaking of. Uh, parts problem to get i got a 6.4 forward had cab off of it for a month and a half ordered a pump didn't come in uh through bumper to bumper didn't have no cores to build i said can you send us your core and we'll build the core sent my core core wasn't no good so they didn't have nothing to build well every day i check bumper to bumper have mike to check and yeah uh, tuesday afternoon i said mike can you check this here's the part number can you check a few minutes he called me back he said they got one at the warehouse i said can you have them put their hand on it <laughs> and put duck's garage on it and so no hold way. it for me and yep. a few minutes he called me back he said it's sitting at the counter waiting on you to pick it up and that's the way you I like got, to do i business. got the truck and but the problem is russell got on the internet tried to find one on the internet there's none on the internet there's the problem is all the the cores are all bad because when they go bad they they eat them up and so finally, they this is a brand new one. It's in a reman box, you know. So, but you know, I told the customer we'd get him out this week, and and I've had his truck for six eight weeks, and you know we was just fixing to put the cab back down on it and push it out the door until we can you know get a pump, and lo and behold, bumper to bumper got me one. That pump showed up. Yep. And he'll be out on the road making money again. Yep. Well, because remember, if he's not out on the road. He's not making money, and if he's not running, if he's not running for you know, hunts uh, or somebody like that, he's not being paid anything. Mm-hmm. If he's a, you know, on the, on his own. And and like Joe said, there is some problem getting a few oddball stuff, but mainly bumper to bumper's got what we need. And remember this: twenty four months or twenty four thousand miles. It's yep. warranted. If something goes wrong with that part during that time, uh, they'll give you a new part and. They'll install it, and it'll be cost of nothing to you, no no labor charge whatsoever. If you use the bumper-to-bumper uh, credit card, 36 months, 36,000 miles for their warranty. 18 after 7. It's going to be hot today, going to be up there near 100 degrees. Just know that means you. I hope that you dress today in light clothing and stay cool. Stay in the shade if you can. Stay in the air conditioning even better. But uh, it's going to be hot today. All right, don't forget, 3 o'clock start today. Not 7 tonight. Ooh, six tonight. pig. 3 o'clock, yeah. Ooh, pig suey. Let's go 
Let's go Hogs. Let's get to the finals. We want to see that happen. I'll be watching the game today. All right, Doug's got a 2003 Dodge Durango. He says, I got a problem with the oil pan bolt. I can't change the oil because the oil pan bolt is stripped. Does anybody have an idea how I can get the oil pan bolt out so the oil can be changed on the vehicle? Yeah, you got to bring it to one of us. That's it. And ain't no guarantee we can get it out. The only other option is put oil pan on it. But we have some procedures that we use that I would say about 80%, 90% of the time they are successful. Right, Doug? Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's what happened is, Dave, somebody used a crescent on it instead of using a wrench. Uh, a socket or a wrench on it yeah and that's what stripped it off but there's ways to get it out you just got to bring it to one of us and and if you don't have the tools you can't get it out anyway so so well, if you if you the, had your choice guys yeah of a crescent wrench set or a socket set would socket you set. Socket. go with the socket okay yeah yeah absolutely either that or a box stand wrench one of the two but uh and a six point anytime you're working yeah. on one of them drain plugs it needs to be a six point whatever you're doing that way even a 12 point if and those drain plugs are they're, they're soft metal anyway yeah they, they don't take much to strip them off easy to round it off yeah. oh yeah okay a lot of times at you know we change people's oil all the time and a lot of times we'll replace it after four or five oil changes yeah, well, you know, so you don't come in stuff. and it looks rough, we put a new plug in there yep. just so it's not an issue in the future. Uh, but, you know, as far as getting one of those out, it, the biggest problem we have is somebody else will try and do it and they won't use the right procedure. And then we've got big problems, right, Doug? Yeah, they messed the oil pan up. Yep. Okay, so what what is the right procedure? Every one of them is different. Is yeah. it an aluminum pan with a metal, or is it a metal pan with a? It just and just what depends. type of what type of drain plug it is. You it's, just got to you got to raise it up on the lift and look at it and say, oh, okay, I don't know how to get this one out. You know, it's a lot easier to change your oil if you have a lift and you're not on a creeper. Exactly. And, I'm just telling you. Know, you. And it's a whole lot better if you use a six point socket like Joe said or a six point wrench. Instead of a crescent, because a crescent don't fit it. I mean, crescent's great in places, hoses, stuff like that. But when you go to change an oil pan plug, transmission pan (coughs) plug, you're better off to use a wrench or a socket. Well, also you don't you don't need to over tighten it. Yes, can't over tighten. You know, it's got it's either gonna have right. It's either gonna have an O ring on it or it's gonna have a washer on it. One of the two. And if you over tighten it with O ring or the washer, you're gonna split the washer and then you're gonna have a drip. All right. There you go. You get, you're hearing you, you get it from the from the guys who are the pros here. And they're letting you know. All right. Sue has a 2003 Chevy Tahoe. It's an eight cylinder, 5.3 liter. My car battery seems to be drained every few hours, even though we charge it. We charge the battery, start the car up, it works. But after a few hours, the battery is drained. No headlights or interior lights are left on. I imagine it's the alternator that's messing up, possibly, but I want to know what it actually is. What it actually is? Well, could have a bad battery. Could have uh, something uh, drawing the battery down, and it could be the alternator's not charging enough. And them things had trouble with the uh, with the the switch on the door when you open the door. You know how it's supposed to turn everything off, right? Well, they had trouble with that model. Oh one, oh two, oh three, oh four. They had trouble with the switch on the inside of the door, and it don't turn. It don't turn everything off. All right, and uh, and also the uh, 
the radio is the issue with those also. Yep. That when you turn the ignition off, the radio is supposed to go off and all that, but sometimes it'll stay on power to it instead of just to keep a live memory for the clock and the stations and stuff like that. So as far as telling her exactly what's wrong, we can't do that because it Bring requires it to one us, of us uh, and we, to do it. We can tell you what's wrong with it. A couple hours, we can tell you what, what you need to do with it. And you can fix it. Yeah, it could be the alternator, could be the door switch, could be the radio staying on. But first thing we're going to do, we're going to draw a test the battery. Yes. As they like to do, and what they always, you know, quote to you, test, don't guess. That's correct. And fix it, don't just work on it. That's well, the, that's the goal, to fix a vehicle, yeah. not work on it. That's right. We see them all the time from other shops, don't we, Doug? Yep. I've had it here, I've had it there, I've had it there. And I said, so these guys have been working on it. And they said, yeah. I said, well, when it's here, what we're going to do is we're going to test, not guess. We're going to start at the front and work it. backwards. That's right. All right. Brian was doing a little, you know, do-it-yourself work, which, uh, of course, uh, Ken Sullivan refers as <laughs> destroy-it-yourself. Uh, Ford F-150 FX4. It's a six-cylinder, uh, 3.5-liter I broke the plastic piece on my ignition coil trying to take it off. Is that fine? While changing spark plugs and the ignition coil, I broke a plastic piece trying to take off the ignition coil. No, it ain't fine if it's broken. He's put another coil on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because the problem you're going to run into, it ain't, it ain't going to make good contact. and It's going to be misfiring. And, and it'll vibrate and work up out of the hole. Yep why they put the hold down bolt on there to keep it in there and keep it tight plus that's that 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 coil boot's got a big rubber seal on it that keeps the moisture from getting down in that plug tube hole right Doug? yep how many have you seen joe pull them out and be solid rust yeah and and you know it, it it is what it is if you wash your motor don't uh if that you get, used it, to be a thing it's not no. anymore you you can cost yourself thousand dollars or so if you just wash your motor and get the wrong stuff wet i promise you if it's dirty and it's running good, leave it alone. Just if you don't, if you don't like it seeing the dirt, don't open the hood. Yeah, right. leave the hood closed. Yeah. And what are you looking at it for anyway? Just to gaze at it? I, I, I don't know. I still have people do it. <laughs> we have issues with some of the car dealers doing that when they detail them. Oh yeah, they'll run over the, they'll drive it over to the detail shop and they get through detail and they won't start. Then we get it back, and we have to dry everything out underneath the hood, and then you have components that got damaged in the process. And, hey, they spent four or $500 getting it detailed, and then they spend another $1,000 make it run again. I don't see it. I don't understand it. We had a Dodge not long ago, you know, the fuse box, which controls yeah. everything. Yeah, fuse relay center. They washed it, and then the AC compressor wouldn't come on. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it was working fine before we yeah. washed yeah. your engine. <laughs> about, about $1,400 later, the AC started working again. Yeah, because they don't use just a little water coming out of a hose, man. Yeah. They get a power washer and go after it. Well, you know, in the fuse relay center, or what they call totally integrated power module with the relays and everything in it, in the bottom of that, under the bottom side, there's a printed circuit board. It's yep. actually a module. And if you get that module wet, there's going to be a lot of things that don't work because everything is processed through that. If you re, if you say I want to roll the driver's window down, it makes a request. If you turn the air on, it makes a request. request. But what's running everything and turning on and off is that totally integrated power module. Speaking of that, uh, Joe, I, we had a F two fifty Ford. It's a old one hundred two model. Mm-hmm. 
crank it up, runs fine, drop it in gear, and start down the road, and door locks go, yep, 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 up and down, up and down. Uh, the guy, he said he worked on it, and he said, man, I can't, I don't know. So he brought it to the All shop. Right, keep your thoughts. All right. When we come back, you'll find out why the locks were going yip, 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 up and down. Yep. Right. <laughs> we'll explain it to you. Bill O'Reilly's got some stuff to explain to you right now. Been mentioning uh, East End Towing for quite some time now because they know uh, what to do in the situation you might be in. Understand they're an Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board member. Their license insured tow operation. Every one of their trucks is permitted, and uh, they'll just do the job and and do it right for you. And uh, you can give them a call. Put this in your contact numbers of your cell phone, 501-888-8849. And East End Towing wants to remind you during these summer months when you're out traveling that if you see those flashing uh, yellow lights where a tow truck is doing some work on the side of the highway, move far away from them uh, on the highway uh, so that you give them plenty of room and don't end up clipping somebody when you're out on the road. That's East End Towing, 501-888-8849. Dave Ellswick Show in here. Joe's here. Duck's here. Duck's Garage. Joe's Garage. Uh, right now, if you need some work done on your car, know you got a two, three-hour, uh, three-week uh, wait uh, to get it into the bay and get it worked on. They're, they're backed up. We're scheduled for yeah. July the eighth. Okay. Yeah, we're our parking lot is so full you can't hardly move around on it. Yeah, just the way it is. People are working on their cars. I got an interesting <laughs> um, story to talk to you guys about. But before we do, finish your story that you were talking about the about. door locks. Anyway, yeah. the door locks would go up, you know, lock and unlock. I lock and in possess. So finally found it. The the control module is down by the kick panel. Pulled the cover off, popped the cop off of it, and it's rusted. Okay. Trail the rust back up to the windshield's leaking. And the guy said, hey, I don't never see it run down on the floor, but it was running down behind the panel, the panel, and he never would see it run out on Getting the floor. Getting underneath yeah. the boot and that's so, over it, yeah. Um, but the problem is, Dave, there's no modules. Yeah. I sent this one to a company that, that rebuilds some stuff for us. And I ain't heard nothing back from, like I was telling you, I went to ship it overnight, and I decided, no, I would have shipped it three days. So can you can you fix that so it just doesn't go up and down? Oh, well, that's what, you t- unplug the module, and that kills it. Okay. Just you had to unlock it manually. Got to do a key. And that's what, you know, I give the truck okay. back to the customer and said, hey, when I get a module, I'll call you. Huh? So, I'm sure that they're... Please, you know, not pleased with it, but they'll put up with it. Well, he just said, you know, stop it from going up and down. He said, because it's about to drive me crazy going down the road. <laughs> you think after done that for a couple of days, you just wouldn't pay any attention to it? Nah, it's not good on the actuators either. No. Where are the actuators at? It'll, it'll burn them up quickly. Yeah, they just keep going up and down. I had a, uh expedition one time that a <clears throat> car dealer in Benton sent to me. Uh, well, actually, he was in a different town, but it was past Benton. And he said, my guys have checked this and said it's got five door lock actuators bad, and they all went bad at the same time. I said, okay. I said, well, bring it, and we'll check it. Sure enough, we checked it in all five actuators, because there's a four-door plus wow. the rear one. And I told him, you know, gave him a price. He said, what would cause that? And I said, well, the evidence is in the back seat. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, that child care seat sitting back there answers it all. 
Yep. The kid's sitting over there. Click, 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 click uh, just to hear the locks lock and unlock. It. Playing with the switch. And that's what burned them up. Up and down, up and down, up and down. The electronic component got hot and it burned them up. Look on your handle there on your driver's side, and there's usually a little thing you can push that turns that off from the child. Locks them. Yeah. yeah. There's there's child locks on all the doors and all that, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and that was, uh, I don't know, that was, I think that was about a $1,200 deal for five door lock actuators installed. But if they don't fix the the, the button pusher when they yeah. get it back, it's down again. <laughs> and you probably can go to the button and look. <coughs> And it'll be the the top will be wore off on it where they sat there and played with it. Now somebody. here's the key: better for you to turn it off at the source over on the driver's side than duct taping his hands together. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's kind of like his Ford truck. You know, it started this, and then you know, so we just unplugged the module and took the module out and sent it off to get it repaired. And the guy he said, "Hey, I can put up, I can lock it and unlock it manually." Well, like he can he can to. do it old school like we yeah. used to have to. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Like I used to, and and but, you know, the problem is the module is obsolete from Ford. Ford don't make it no more. There, you know, and to get, you know, someone to make one, they're not going to make them because they're too expensive to make for make one or two or three or four. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there is a company that you can send them to, and if it is rebuildable, they will rebuild it. But. Don't expect them to get back to you anytime quickly. And so, I, you know, I told the customer, I said, first thing you need to do is go to Discount Glass and get them put a windshield on this thing. Sure. And There's a lot said, of other electronics under there don't oh, need yeah. to get wet, too. So he went, and uh, sure enough, when they pushed the windshield out, the whole left-hand corner all the way around it. It rusted. It was rusted. You can see, you know, been licking for a while. But uh, they fixed that, and then if I get the module back, I'll put the module back in it and care all be back to 100 percent yep all right uh, i heard today that there's about 240 million cars in america do you have any idea how many of them are electric uh 240 million you said mm-hmm. maybe two million yeah two percent yeah that's what I was fixing to say. Somewhere 2%. around 2% of 1.4. So I, I just want you to think from this big push that they're making towards the Green New Deal mm-hmm. and cars, electric cars yeah. and stuff. It's not going to change in the next 10, 15, 20 years. 50. And how, how long are they going to make us be punished at the gas pump? As long as they can get away with it. Yep. Yeah, I guess that's but, true. But, you know, I, I read a deal where Arkansas is going to put in uh, charging electric charging stations every 50 miles on the interstate freeways. They're doing, you know, where, yep. where they got that idea? Yep. Texas. Yeah. Texas has already started. Mm-hmm. But there again, Dave, I go back to the same thing I've told you before. They're, they're calling for rolling blackouts or brownouts. Yes. So you're sitting down there on the side of the highway trying to charge your car, and they turn the electricity off because we don't have enough supply of the whole or place. Pull, or just pull it back. So what are you going to do then? You're going to sit there five, six, seven, eight hours until they turn the power back on? Probably. I mean, you ain't got no other choice. That's exactly Either right. that or call a record you're and tell them to come get me. Yeah, you're stuck as far as that's concerned. You know, and that's, that's what I don't understand. We don't have enough power to supply our stuff now, and you throw all these electric cars on it, somebody ain't thinking and using their head very good 
Wow. I'm just old dumb country boy, and I done figured this all and out. And you tell me the, the government, right? Yeah, that, that kind of goes hand in hand with them. All right, we got to get our final break in. Let's do that. While we do it, we'll find out what's going on with our travelers. Back, last segment, 13 minutes until 8 o'clock. Don't forget, 9 o'clock, great interview coming up. We'll be joined by the uh, Senate pro tem here in the state. That's State Senator Bart Hester from Cave City. He's going to sit in here in the studio and uh, want to talk to him about what he sees for the future here in the state and uh, what the Senate has on their mind for uh, 2023. Uh, David has a 2004. Oh, wait a second. You told me we got a vacuum cleaner? Yeah, we can get a vacuum cleaner. Okay, if you'd like to have uh, one of the vacuum cleaners that we uh, give away from time to time, uh, Duck has one for you. This is, comes with a five gallon bucket. Great if you got a boat. Great if you it got, is wet you know, and dry too. Yeah, I mean if you go out to the lake and whatever, you want that uh, that vacuum cleaner. You call right now five zero one eight two eight two three zero nine six five, and we've already got a winner. Is that that a winner? Okay, we've just take already, his name, Heidi, and I'll I'll call him when I get off there. All right, we've already got a winner on that, so don't call now. <laughs> we've given it away. All right, David has a 2014 Ford Transit Connect XLT, four-cylinder, 1.6 liter. He says his Ford Transit rear passenger door and child lock has got problems, and please help. Initially, rear driver side sliding outside door latch not working. Inside latch did work for opening the door. Child safety lock on the same door was engaged while... Uh, door was open accidentally. Door will now not open either inside or outside. We took off both inside sliding door panels to get a closer look. No remedy as of yet. We disengaged the child safety lock mechanism, blue fiberglass plastic type piece on the passenger side. Outside still works fine, however, inside will not open. He answered that question. Yes. When he said plastic piece. Because mm-hmm. all those door handles on that come with cables and latch assemblies and one of and the, uh, the inside and the outside door handles made out of plastic, so it's got it's probably got something bro- broke is all I can say. And you'll probably find it down there if you yeah, the bottom get your head it. down there, you'll find the piece in the bottom of the door. Look up at the at the at the plate and you'll find where it connects and you know, That'll fix your problem. Your childproof lock thing is just supposed to eliminate the inside door handle from working, period. Yes. It doesn't affect the outside. Yeah, and far as locking it with the door open, it don't matter because most of them you got to lock with the door open anyway. Yeah. So it, it is it is what it is, but there's something broke there and not necessarily anybody's fault. Of course, if it's not working, jerking and, and, and pulling on it real hard might have hurt it. I don't know. Yep. Could have you know, stretched the cable. or. or but on the transits, uh, we, we do those all the time, don't we? Yep. Sliding doors on both sides because a lot of those transits are, are work. Work vehicles. Yeah. People in and out, in and out, in and out. Same thing with the back doors on it. So just going to have to see what piece is broke and buy that piece, put it in there. Yep. Be good to go. All right. Got that one taken care of quickly. Uh, our our winner was Charlie, and I sent you the information okay. back so that, uh, that I'll you call have him it. off there. All right, taking a look here. Let's see what else we got here. We got Mary Ellen. 
2002 Mitsubishi Eclipse GS four-cylinder 2.4 liter. And after adding oil to my car, it is emitting clouds of white smoke. Why is this happening? I think I may have added uh, too much. Will the smoking eventually stop, or is it irreparably damaged? Is there anything I can do to fix this without having to take it into the shop, which I can't afford right now? Can I let the engine run for a while in the driveway? Well, if they got too much oil in it, they need to drain some out because yes. it'll, it'll flood. It's what's happening. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, if you check your dipstick and, you, and it says that you need some or it's not touching the stick, don't dump three or four quarts in there. Put one in and recheck it. And then when you can get it to read on the stick, then then you add know. accordingly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and it's probably overflow over full. And, and Joe, you know, and I know what that does. If it's over the crankshaft is hitting the oil and what it does, it it makes it aerates it and when it aerates it then it that's when she starts seeing the smoke well it's slinging it around and, and yeah. it's, it's splashing it so hard because the oil has to drain back and if the oil can't drain back it floods the valves yep. especially if it's all mixed up marinated and that and and you know the, the little valve seals on there that keep the oil from going down the valve stems won't if they're flooded won't keep it out yeah. if it's regular it keeps it out but if, once it gets too much up there it will not so she's going to have to figure out how to drain some oil out of it. All right. I got a great question coming up. We've had this one from people before. Mike says, got a 2013 Ford Fusion SE, four-cylinder, 2.5 liter. Says the water is leaking into the driver footwell of my girlfriend's car. It's got 130,000 miles. After heavy rain, about an inch of water fills the driver floor mat. It happened again after the last rain. Car sits in her driveway. I cleaned a minimal amount of leaf debris from the screen at base of windshield. Also, small amount of gunk from about around the wiper motor spindles. Any suggestions? I'm just want to ask one question: Does it have a sunroof? If it does, the sunroof drains are stopped up. Yep. If it don't have a sunroof, most likely it needs a windshield. That's correct. But, but that's where the, the leak is. It's got to. It's it, just logically, it's got to be in one of a couple of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, and I had a lot of trouble with the drains on them things because they go down the A pillar. Yep. They drain down through the A pillar. Explain drains. what that is. That's you, your pillar right there where your windshield glues into, where your door seals up to it. Okay. That's called an A pillar, and that's where the drain hoses are. And they've had trouble with them. You know, getting stopped up with leaves and pine needles and and dirt and you would think well that would leak on your head no it won't because it'll fill that rail up and the same track that that hose takes goes down that a pillar well it runs down that a pillar on the outside of that drain hose it runs down and when it gets down there to where your foot is it drips straight down yep instead of running outside the car and that's why you can get an inch of water yes. sitting there and waiting you know yep. and with some of the big rains that we've had that's mm-hmm. really understandable Yep the the other GMC pickup I had it leaked from day one. Uh, it had a sunroof in it, and when they put the hose on, they forgot to move the clamp up. Yeah, it's leaking. Just wasn't good connection there. And they, you know, they had to pull that the headliner down to repair it. But you know, they fixed it without any trouble. But most likely, what's going on is coming down through the A pillar. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about one of our favorite cars that we talk about here on the car. 
uh, show on Thursdays, the Land Rover, uh, Rover, 2006 Land Rover. This is LR3 HSE, eight-cylinder, 4.4 liter. If I put new key blade in old fob key housing, will that solve the immobilization issue? My engine won't start with my new key. Nope. Well, you know, I don't know why he's doing that. That's what I've got in my mind, Doug. Mm-hmm. Why is he wanting to put a new key blade on there? And and number two, the the the, the fob part of that is 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 the, has got the the chipset in it, okay? But the point is, if he put a new blade on it, thinking he's fixing, he ain't fixed it. No, no he ain't, he ain't fixed the problem because yeah. the, the 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 mobilizer, the halo, is what's bad on it. You know, most likely that or the fob itself is bad. And and there's a test for that. But, you know, just putting a new key blade on there. And, you know, that is a that's a laser cut key. I wonder yes. where he got that from. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excuse me. So, Dave. Yes. I live in Benton. I live on off Old Congo Road. Yeah. If you own a Jeep vehicle with a key fob. And it's got three keys on it on the on the ring. If you lost one on Old Congo and North Place Drive, call me. I have your key. I found it laying in the middle of the road. It still works. It did get run over, but it didn't bust it. The red light still comes on when you click it. I have your key. If you'll call me at the shop or call me on my cell phone, I will give you your key back. This give, is probably give them the phone number. 501-607-1965. That's my cell phone. If I don't answer you, I'll call you back because I'm on the phone a lot. This is probably a $400 fob. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I found it laying in the middle of the road, and, and I'm sure it's somebody around me that cuts through there going over to the – so I went – there's a little uh, strip mall right there by me. I rolled by there yesterday punching it. Seeing if any cars lit See, up. It's, it's out of a Jeep, and it's going to be a 17, 18, 19, you know, somewhere along in there, Jeep. Oh, so it's but a I new have one, your key, basically. If you want your key back, just call me and I'll give it back to you. If your car is six years old, I still consider that new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just so you know. But you know, and I, I'm surprised it got it's, it's skinned up a little bit where it got run over, but it didn't bust it. It bent two of the there's two house keys on it. It bent two of them up, but you know, but you know, I have the you know if you want it back, call me and I'll be more than welcome to give it back because I know what they cost. All right. Duck, thank you for coming in today. Joe, thanks to you for thank coming you. in, spending some time. I bet you you saved some people some money today with some of the answers that we had because we had a lot of kind of uh, common type questions, as I like to say, not in the weed type questions, and that's always <laughs> a, a good thing. Remember, if you've got a question, you can send them to me, and then I'll hold on to them and ask them uh, in the next show. Send them to Dave at... Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. All right, I'll be back at 9 o'clock, and a great interview coming up at 9 o'clock when we got State Senator Bart Hester, who is the Senate pro tem. He's going to be on to answer uh, your questions. I'll let you call in if you want to ask him a question. i got plenty of questions, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about 2020. 
2023. That's all coming up at 9 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe, thanks for you coming Thank you, in Dave. today as well. Don't thanks, forget Dave. you can call either one of these guys and they're uh, and if talking you need, about for service. If you need a job out there and you can do diesel pickup work, call me. I need two employees. There you go. They're looking for help. Thank you. Take a break. I'll see you at 9. Nine o'clock. Good to have you back with me. We uh, have got a great hour lined up here. We've got the uh, Senate pro tem of the uh, Arkansas legislature in studio with us, and that's uh, State Senator Bart Hester. Uh, I'll let you know that Senator uh, Hester and I go back all the way to when he first started uh, 10 years ago. I didn't realize it had been that long. He he uh, reminded me of that, and it's good to have him here. You know, l- let's talk about that just for a moment. I remember myself and Paul Calvert talking to you many, many times, and uh, you were kind of the, the firebrand out there that was bringing Republican and Libertarian thought processes to the, to the state capitol. And in your wildest dreams— did you ever think you'd be sitting in the seat you're sitting in now? Well, no, certainly I, I didn't. I didn't think that. But Dave, thank you for having me. And it has been ten years. You know, every time there's, uh, every ten years there's a redistricting through a census, and we sh- and things get totally reshuffled. And we saw ten years ago Arkansas got a much conservative, more conservative legislature, and I believe this time we got a much more conservative legislature. And so we're excited about the opportunities that 2023 is going to bring. Well, I'll tell you what, Senator Alan Clark says that this will be, in 2023, will be the most conservative legislature that has ever sat in the Capitol. Uh, it, w- it would be hard to disagree with that, and we're, we're, we're looking forward to Alan's continued leadership uh, on, on the Judiciary Committee leading that, because a lot of really important issues are going to be coming through Judiciary in 2023. Okay, so what have you been up to here over uh, the, the- you know, the beginning of the summer, the springtime, you know, we've got the next uh, general session is going to be next year. And uh, you got a lot of time, kind of slap time that you can think about what you want to do. So what have you been up to? Well, you know, uh, by, by design, Arkansas legislators are supposed to be part-time, right? And so yeah. uh, I'm, I work in real estate, and I'm building houses up in northwest Arkansas. And, oh, cool. Uh, that's that's booming, and we uh, work really hard. I got my 
a 15-year-old son with me in studio today, and he's glad to be up here today as opposed to out on the job right now. But right. We're spending a lot of time uh, working. Uh, we've been campaigning really hard uh, for good conservatives. I've been campaigning for some colleagues that lost and some new friends that won. And uh, now that campaign season's officially over with uh, the elections Tuesday night, uh, you know, we really are turning our focus on what uh, what the next couple years is going to look like. And I think that um, it is time to take some real steps towards school choice. Uh, we're going to continue to work on um, uh, taxes, uh, and we're going to continue to do a, I hope, uh, a really good job of some criminal justice reform in the next session. All right. Well, let's talk about taxes because I got kind of two different stories that I've had from the four uh elected officials I've had on here in the last few days. Uh, On the House side, I've had Carlton Wing in and Julie uh, Mayberry. On the Senate side, I've had uh, Senator Hammer, Senator uh, Senator Clark. And uh, two of them thought that we should use some of that one point, however, billion dollars that's sitting in the rainy day fund, for a better terminology for it, uh, for maybe increasing prison beds, maybe school, uh, uh, building stronger schools for protection of the students and things of that that nature. But then I've had two others, Clark and Mayberry, who said maybe we don't do much of anything because we may have a a recession looking us in the face. Have you been given much thought to this? I've been giving very much thought to this. Okay. Uh, right. You know, we're, we are clearly, uh, by all indications, moving in towards a recession. And that could change tomorrow for whatever reason, good or bad. Uh, but I think understanding the current uh, economic uh, status uh, that we've had uh, now pushing two months of inclined energy cost, which is like uh, um, a catalyst for recession. So we're staying down the road. So we, we cannot be irresponsible with the t- taxpayers' money that they've given to the state right now. We do not want to look up in 2023 with a new governor and a new legislature, and now we're having to look to cut services or raise taxes. Neither one of those are an option. Uh, so um, we're, we're going to spend a little bit of money. We're going to cut some taxes. We're going to turn a little bit of money back to the people, um, assuming the governor calls us into special session in, September, or in August. Uh, but for the most part, I really think we're going to save this money. Uh, we're going to reconvene in January. We've got a lot of time together, and we'll get a new plan moving forward on prison beds and tax tax reform. Okay. Now, the governor can call the special session. Uh, do you think that there's a big appetite by the elected officials to go into special session? Um, I'm seeing that we have almost zero appetite to go back into special session. Um, Might that change his mind about doing it, or is he wanting to do his last hurrah? Uh, yeah, I think it uh, uh, will not change his mind. I, okay. I, I firmly believe that he's going to call us into special session, and I think we just have to be prepared for that, and that's kind of been our conversation. of We don't want to go into special session, but we're not the governor. Asa Hutchinson's the governor, and he's going to call us in, so what are we prepared to do? Uh, what are we prepared to, to support? Um, I've, I've learned a lot, like you say, from where I came in 10 years ago to where I am now. Um, I've learned really hard lessons, and some of those you've got to figure out what you're for and fight for that rather than just be against everything. So right now we're, we're picking the things that we're for, and we're going we're gonna to do those well. All right. Do, do you feel like um, has the governor contacted the caucus, and is, he sitting, is his people sitting down with you to let you know what it is exactly he wants to do? 
Well, uh, they were not doing that until uh, you know there was a there was a press conference where we heard that uh, the governor was looking to do this. Uh, but immediately following that, uh, his his staff and he has been calling members. They've been meeting with members. Uh, you know, he's, he he wants to do a lot, uh, right? You know, he's got five months left as, as the governor of Arkansas after eight years, and um, we've got one point four seven billion dollars. Uh, we'll know exactly what that number is here at the end of June because our fiscal year ends at the end of June. Uh, but he's going to want to spend a bunch of money. Um, and I just think that, that, that we can't afford to do that, and I think the legislature knows we can't afford it. But he's going to call us in. He's going to try to convince us to do it. All right, so I'm, let me ask you the, the, the 800-pound uh, gorilla question here. How much do you think this is stuff that really needs to be done, and how much do you think maybe what he's trying to do to pave his way to the White House? <laughs> well, I think uh, – I think we can agree that most of the things he's wanting to do needs to be done, um, but we're going to disagree on on timing. And I think for the governor right now, a lot of these things are uh, helping him with a potential um, run for president, right? I mean, he's a politician. We're politicians. Uh, I don't fault him for that, but I, I just recognize what's what's happening. Uh, but again, the things he is wanting to do uh, are things that I support. I support a new crime lab, mm-hmm. right? We support doing better with teachers' pay. We are doing better with teachers' pay. We're rolling into our fourth of four consecutive years of increased teacher pay. Um, we support a lot of the things the governor's wanting to do. We just don't support... Uh, the timing when we're rolling into session in January of 23 uh, with the new body with a lot of uh, fresh ideas. Yeah, when you're talking about a new body, you're talking about a new governor, too. And you don't want to step on her toes before she ever gets into office. Well, no, that's that's clearly correct. Like, we don't uh, – we are super excited about uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders about to be the uh, governor of Arkansas. We're super excited about uh, the direction we feel, we feel like she's going to lead. She's going to be bold. Uh, she's going to look for big change. And, and really, uh, not just for Sarah, but for the people of Arkansas, we don't want to be out of money. Right. If, yeah. If the, absolutely. It, we hope that we get to spend on all these things that we want, but we've got to make sure that we take care of the things we have to and the basic needs first. All right. We got to get a break in. We're talking with uh, State Senator Bart Hester. He is the new president pro tem, and we'll talk about what are his uh, responsibilities starting in next year, and uh, they're going to be tough. It's it's always when you're in when you're at the tip of the spear, it always gets tough. And we'll talk about that when we continue. It's 9.15. Let's take a break. Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, PI Roofing. They're ready to help you if you need any kind of roofing done on your home. Uh, and right now is the time to do it. We've run into a long, dry spell, and that's what they always like to have so they can get up on your roof and they can look at it, they can find any problems you might have, and then they can repair those problems for you. They'll work directly with your insurance company. They'll work with your appraiser. They'll show the appraiser where the problems are, and then they'll work out a deal uh, with your insurance and with you. All you have to do is call them. They're the only people who have ever worked on my roof at my house in the 18, 19 years that I've owned it. So call the same number I call, 501-707-3551, or visit them online at piroofing.com. All right, back with you, our special guest, State Senator uh, Bart Hester. Of course, he is also the president pro tem of the Senate here in uh, in Arkansas. And uh, I want to I want to talk about pro tem, but let's move that towards further into the program. I'd like to talk to you right now. You're on your way to give a speech today, and you're going to be talking to some judges. And uh, what's the message that you're sending them? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to speak speaking to the county judges of Arkansas today okay. today at lunch. But uh, I want to send a message about uh, we, Arkansas is doing a good job on crime, and we got to do better. Um, we've got to buck the national trend about letting uh, bad guys out of prison. Uh, if we want people to vacation here and spend time here and move here like they're doing, it's great for Arkansas. But that all starts with uh, getting public safety right. Okay, so let me ask the question that's on everybody's mind. There are certain areas within uh, our state that are seem to be more dangerous than other areas. One of those are where we're sitting right now, Little Rock. What can the state legislature do on something like that? I mean, Little Rock's got a mayor, but uh, the laws of the state supersede the laws of the city. Well, I think it's really simple. I think you start with... Uh uh, laws that require bad guys to get locked up and stay locked up. We look at recidivism. What we know is when you put a guy in and let him out in Arkansas and all over the country, they're going to go right back, which means they committed another crime, at least one they got caught for. All right, so I think we and – we, and I believe uh, that starts with truth in sentencing. Uh, if you look in the newspaper every day, it'll say Joe Blow armed robbery gets 30 years. Well, what they meant to say is he got seven. Right, uh, somebody harmed a child. They got twenty-two years. Well, what they really got was four. Right, you know. Uh, Explain that to my listeners because they're sitting here going, "What?" Right. Well, you know, when you read these horrible headlines and you're like, "Man, I'm glad that glad that guy got all those years because a jury gave it to him, uh, jury and a judge." Uh, but you know, in Arkansas, you're going to serve a, like a base a third of your time. So if you get ten years, you're doing three before you're eligible for parole, and then with good behavior and different things and uh, all these different caveats, you could do far less. And I think that the people, if they really knew the crime somebody did in the actual time they were going to do, uh, there would be uproar. Uh, and I think so it's incumbent upon me to, uh, when I have the chance to have the pulpit, to talk about it. Um, that Look, we've got to do a great job with truth and sentencing. Uh, when you win the minds of the people, which we've won on this issue, right? People right. want bad guys locked up, regardless of what the media tells us. Um, uh, then you get their support, and we can uh, we can change some laws. Okay, you want to lock, lock bad guys up, but you need places to put them. Uh, you know, I've been hearing who I think will be the next AG of uh, Arkansas, Tim Griffin. He'll join us next Thursday, by the way. Uh, I got a, a, a question about, you know, he's saying that we need more places to put these people, but that means spending Revenue to be able to do it, and then revenue down the line to keep those places open and staffed and taken care of. Is the appetite there to do that with the legislature? I think the appetite or the appetite is absolutely there with the legislature. And yes, we got to spend money, but it is the number one responsibility of government is public safety. If you don't get public safety right, you can't get education right. You doesn't matter how good a road you built. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, the businesses that you recruited in, um, if people's homes aren't safe and their businesses aren't safe, commerce doesn't work, education doesn't work. It's our number one responsibility. We are committed to doing it right. I appreciate Governor Hutchinson fun, uh, leading the fight to fund uh, you know, uh, some more beds in the state of Arkansas. It's a great start. We've got to fund more beds. And I really feel like we, after we funded the beds and we've got guys in prison that need to be there, uh, we can work on programs uh, for some reentry. 
So hopefully when they get out, they're going to be uh, better adjusted and, and don't recidivate. Well, State Representative Julie Mayberry on my show on Tuesday mentioned that, said that they would like to have some form of a program that helps men and women who are getting out of prison to be able to make that transition to be hired uh, for jobs. But that's a tough call because you got to get people who want to hire them and she said perhaps what we need is a little stipend to kind of help them along to want to take that chance Uh, i totally agree and the groups that we're seeing have the most success with this are faith-based groups Um, i've I've met with three or four of them in northwest arkansas recently um, and more over the years and we're just seeing success the problem is they they can have six eight ten Ten men at a time or ten women at a time uh, really puts each group at capacity when there's need for hundreds at a time. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you work on someone's heart uh, and, and their heart changes, then their choice patterns can change. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think faith-based groups are seeing the most success with when people get in, go through their program, get their heart changed, um, then they get the whole rest of their life lined up. All right. The tough question, and that is, do we need to build a new prison in Arkansas, and what kind of prison do we need? Do we need uh, maximum security, or do we need uh, you know, another Tucker kind of prison? Um, you know, that's a good question. There's going to be some more, smarter guys than me look at that. Uh, but the answer is absolutely yes, we need a new prison in Arkansas. Uh, but it may not be a new prison. It could be that we're going to uh, – um, uh, this is going to be the wrong terminology, but add uh, state prisons attached to a lot of our county prisons or jails. Right? Mm-hmm. We just have a section of it that would be a state prison and um, uh, on some of the same property. Uh, so I think I think no matter exactly what we decide to do, and I think the new governor will have a lot of say in that. What we know is we got to have more beds in more places to keep bad guys locked up, so our communities are safe. All right. So you got three branches of government. Okay, a little, little uh, education going on here. You've got the legislature. You've got the executive, which is the governor. You've got the judicial, which is your court system. Your AG fits over there as well. Uh, Tim Griffin is outspoken. I think he'll be a good AG. But uh, he's already said he thinks there needs to be a, a new uh, prison built in the state. I, I don't know where Sarah stands. I haven't really heard her speak about that. Uh, but now we've heard what you've said, and you're talking from the Senate side, not the House side, of course. So do all of you get together? Is that what happens? I mean, does the Constitution of the state of Arkansas allow you, all these people, to come together and talk about what you think should be done? Uh, it certainly does allow us, and I think the people of Arkansas expect and want us <laughs> to okay. get together and talk, right? Uh, and we all have different perspectives, right? The, a house, uh, the house is supposed to have very, very, uh, um, um, I don't, I say, smaller region perspective. Right. Uh, state senator looking at it from a bigger area, and the governor looking at it from the whole state's perspective. Uh, but man, I, I cannot appreciate uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin's leadership on this issue. Um, it's been more than a month ago now. He started texting me. He's like, hey, we got to have lunch. we got to have lunch. I didn't know what it was about. And we got down and he's like, look, we, we've got to be honest with the people of Arkansas about this issue. We've got to do better and we can do better. And and I said, man, you were speaking my language, uh, Tim, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be fully with you, going to be behind you. And uh, I'm glad you continue to lead on this and I'll lead from the Senate side on it. Uh, and it's important that I'm also talking and listening to members. Uh, and th- this is an issue that's important to the members of the Arkansas Senate as well. All right. So, uh 
we're gonna we're gonna get into now as we take a break at the bottom of the hour get some local news for you but when we come back i want to talk further about what 2023 going to look like i'm i'm making some assumptions here and i don't think they're far assumptions number one it's going to be an overwhelmingly uh republican uh legislature it has become more conservative uh because of the the people that are going to be i think reelected come november but on top of that uh we have a governor that's going to come in that i think is going to be more conservative this is the time that i've been waiting for I have said that I thought that uh, Governor Hutchinson was a fair bridge for the most part to go from over, you know, over uh, running Democratic rule for years and years, hundreds of years uh, in in the state to moving into what Republicans wanted to do. Uh, but you can't just slam on the brakes. Uh, it would have freaked everybody out if we had done that. And uh, we've we've moved more towards a conservative Republican viewpoint. But I think now you're going to see the right turn that I've been hoping to see uh, all along. Do you see it that way? Oh, I, I absolutely see it that way. I, uh, that, that was a good way to describe Governor Hutchinson. He, he's, he's been a great bridge. Uh, I, I say about him all the time when people ask, I say his, his biggest fault is that he's fair to all involved. <laughs> right. Right. And so as a, as a conservative Republican, sometimes that becomes frustrating to us. But, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he looks and sees all perspectives. And uh, sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. But I, I'll tell you, it's been a great bridge. I think that we've we've been in first or second gear for a while and we're about to uh, we're about to really pick it up yeah i think we're going to drive we're going to drop it into overdrive come 2023 and i'm excited about it we haven't talked about education that's coming up we're going to get into that school choice is a huge huge issue and it's it's really beginning to make its move across the united states I mean, Florida has kind of led the way in this, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And and uh, I don't think we're going to pattern ourselves on that. I think we might be even more ahead of of the uh, of the, uh, the wheel, so to speak, uh, as far as uh, public education and school choice uh, is included in that uh we'll talk about where sarah seems to be on that she's been talking to the caucus they've told me that they have everybody's kind of holding their cards close to their vest but we get little snippets out so we'll talk about it when we get back here on the dave ellswick show all right we're talking with the uh, senate president pro tem and that is bart hester state senator bart heston uh, hester cave city right Cave Springs. Cave Springs. Sorry. Yeah, we're not the watermelon city. Okay. That's too bad. I was going to ask you to bring some. Uh, let's not forget about ICU uh, protection. These are the guys that do all of the security work and monitoring for Nuke One. They'll do it for your house or your business as well. Billy Max, the owner. All you have to do is give him a call, 501-205-1333. And... What he'll do, and I, I know this for a fact because he did it with me, and I've got uh, ICU protection at my home. He'll come over, he'll sit down with you, and say, "Okay, so what do you, th- what do you think you need?" And let me tell you a couple of things you probably could use, and then you'll work that out. And I've got door and window sensors on every door and window in my house now. Got a couple of cameras at my house, and I love the cameras. 
Uh, you walk across my driveway and the camera whistles at you. And it makes you look up at it, basically. So we get a real good view of your face because these are 1080p cameras, uh, the same kind of uh, view that you'll get on uh, direct TV. So it's not like watching an old A&E whodunit kind of show where, you know, the people are walking around. They look like they got a glow around them. Yeah, that's not the way they look now. It looks like you're really just standing somewhere and you can look directly and uh, you know, tell who the people are. Talk to Billy Mack. He'll help you out with this. Uh, if you're thinking, well, man, the hardware on that's got to be expensive. Well, listen to the way Billy Mack does that. You pay for the service, and he puts the hardware in, and it becomes yours free. That's right. Free hardware. You pay for the service. You just call 501-205-1333 for ICU uh, protection. All right, Senator, let's, we talked about, uh, you know, uh, protecting the people of Arkansas and from crime. We've talked about prisons. Let's talk about, uh, we've talked about taxes. Let's talk about education. Because that, I hear a lot of talk before sessions, and then when the session gets going, uh, the superintendents and uh, the, the teachers' union or whatever, uh beats it right out of the legislators and you don't hear about it anymore uh i from what i understand uh the new governor that will be elected and that's sarah uh is very 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 uh heavily involved in wanting school choice and she seems to be leaning towards the money that the students are, that the state pays for a student to follow the student to whatever school they want to go to. Is that what you're hearing? Uh, yes, that's what I'm hearing. And I think that's something that is, is critically important to the success of the education in Arkansas. We've been 50th in education for a long time. We've uh, The Republicans have been in charge now for 10 years, and we're still 48th in education, right? We have to do something different. And... Uh, you know, one side says, well, just more money, more money, more money. But if you look, the, the proof is in the pudding. More money has not fixed anything. Yeah, look, you've look, been throwing money at it. That's right, for a long time. Little Rock school systems used to get endless money, um, and uh, we've, we've walked that back some. Way more money than any other school systems, and they, and they just continue to tank, right? So money is clearly not the answer. We've got to have a new process. All right. And uh – have you have you guys started working on that at all, putting some things together? I'm not asking you to share them because I know you don't want people to start firing bullets at you before you even get to, you know, Sarah elected and in, 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 into the office. But are you really putting it together so that when you come you have a package for the Arkansas people? Oh, well, we are, and I think it's, it's – uh, we're – this is not some secret. It's what it's very similar to what we've done in the past, right? These are tax credit scholarships that that follow the child, and uh, we so need to do. That's it. like what Florida does, correct? That that's what yeah that's what uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're all a little bit different based on their state legislature, but um, we just have a, have a system set up where um, you know if somebody funds scholarships for kids, um, they can get a tax credit for it. And there's plenty of donors in the state of Arkansas who are willing to do that. And so, um, and, and it's just a tax credit. Uh, so the state of Arkansas is not actually sending money with a, with a kid, but when somebody uh, helps uh, helps pay for a scholarship for somebody, um, do that. And, and look, I'm I'm I would say I'm I'm a 
clearly a massive supporter of our public schools. Our public schools have got to be great. They are going to educate 90-plus percent of the kids of Arkansas. Uh, and we want to continue to fund them well, do them well. But I want public schools to be great. I want private schools to be great. I want homeschooling to be great. I want education in Arkansas to be great. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit. I, I had uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman on yesterday, and he was one of the early proponents of what we're talking about right now back in 2010. And like I told you, he, he was called every name but you're a nice guy uh, during the time that uh, that he was a state legislator and was standing up and, and wanting this. So I think I, I talked to him and he didn't he didn't he didn't run with what I was asking if he felt like he had a little bit of uh, he felt good that what he had said back in 2010 now looked like it was coming to fruition. And he said he just wanted to see education get to be better for the kids of Arkansas. And that's a great answer, to be honest with you. But uh, for these schools, what? How, how do you feel? How, how are the superintendents and, the, and the, uh, the, the teachers' unions going to react to this? Do you think it's going to be a, 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 a real fight? To the, you, are you both going to go to the mats over this? Oh, we, we, will, we will go to the mat. Um, uh, we, we've been losing on this issue. We've been getting uh, small victories. Right? We had the Succeed Scholarship, which we, uh, where we allowed kids in foster care or with special needs to be able to get these opportunities. Uh, so we've been doing that in Arkansas. Last year we passed, uh, through uh, Senator Jonathan Dismang's leadership, a, uh, a tax credit scholarship, but it's capped at there's not a lot of money there. Uh, but, but I think what we have to ask ourselves is when we do these small programs, why are they flooded with requests to families to get them? Mm-hmm. Why does there have to be a drawing? Why is there uh, a wait list to get on them? Why are we having five applicants for every one position? Uh, I think because uh, we're, um, we're not doing a good enough job for these families. Every kid is not the same. Public school is the right choice for most kids, but not all kids. And we've got to do uh, a better job and give them more opportunities. Uh, for uh, each family. I've, I know families that they send one kid to private school, one kid homeschool, and one kid to public school. Right? And that's in one family. But every child's unique. Every child should have opportunities. By doing this in, in a scholarship way, is that a way to keep the government money from having as many strings attached to it as it does right now going directly to school systems? Uh, th- that's absolutely the reason. Um, you know, you look at a lot of these faith-based schools and they say, you know what, we're not sure we want to take any government money because we know that it, it immediately comes with strings attached and we, we're, we're not willing to compromise on our principles. And that's the first thing that the government would require of them is to, is to compromise on their, on their faith. So what we do is we send it to a tax credit scholarship. And so, um, so the government's not involved at all, and they can continue to operate uh, based on their faith and the principles their schools were founded on. Well, I got to tell you, it makes me excited because I have watched time and time again with Lori and other people who work uh, with organizations that are trying to get school choice in the state feel like we're going to make a, a move forward. And I know that you've fought this battle as well. And then all of a sudden, people start saying, well, I, I really can't vote that way. You know, because 
they've gotten a call from their superintendent or whatever. I, I'm I'm excited that it looks like you guys are, are – how's the old biblical saying? You're girding up for battle. We are girding up for battle, and I think this is like so many issues in politics. There is massive concerns, but when we pass it and it's implemented, uh, they're going to realize it was much ado about nothing on the funding. They didn't lose all this funding at their – these superintendents won't lose all the money funding at their schools. Uh, but it's really just great for the kid. We have to remember, are we for the child or are we for the school? Are we for the child or are we for the administration? Administration. Um, we are for the child and educating the child, and that has to be our number one focus. Now, I will tell you, I'm the son of a school, a public school superintendent. Okay. Uh, I, I believe and love the public school, and I think my dad did a great job. Um, but I think that there are uh, more than one way of having success. All right. Last question about education. Did the COVID outbreak, so many had to, to teach from home, was, was that the, the straw that broke the camel's back when people started seeing what was going on in their public school systems? Well, I, I, there is no doubt it was. And I think, like I talked earlier, when you win the minds of the people, right, the next steps become much easier on the laws. And, and when our public school systems just said, we're going we're gonna to leave your kids alone, you know, we're just not going to educate them for a year, we're going to get them behind, and most of them will never catch up, and we don't care because um, somebody might get sick um, and uh, – I think it was just a shame. We saw a lot of people get sick, and that was the kids at home without proper nutrition, the kids at home without proper supervision, the kids at home uh, that uh, weren't being uh, getting the education they need and the love and the friendship. And so we saw a lot of mental health issues. So, yeah, it made a lot of people sick and the ones we left at home. All right. We'll take our final break, and then we'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Pat Davis. If you need health insurance, if you're looking to save money on health insurance, Pat Davis is the person you need to talk to. He's going to save you 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Uh, if, you've, if you're self-employed, he's the perfect guy to go and talk to. If you own a business and you give uh, insurance to your, your uh, workers, he can save you money. I mean, we've heard stories of businesses that have saved fifteen to $20,000 in a year just because they've gone and done things the way Pat Davis has taught them to do. Uh, you'll never pay another copay. You may get a you know a, a, a check back from the hospital, your doctor, the urgent care center. It could happen, and the deductibles are going to be busted. That's Pat Davis. Call him 501-605-6935 or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. All right, back for the final segment with uh, the uh, Senate Pro Tem, and that is Bart Hester. Senator Bart Hester is our special guest today. I was really excited that he was able to join us today. He happens to be going down to Hot Springs to do a speech, and he could stop in and do the show today at 9 o'clock. A uh, couple more things I wanted to talk about. The, uh, the president said something really cryptic yesterday about a second pandemic did you hear that i've, I've heard very little about it but i have heard yes it. he came out and said that let, let, let's ask this we've learned a lot of lessons from the first pandemic do you think we'll ever see as many problems as we had about wearing masks and all of the rest uh, if it comes around again Look, I think the people of Arkansas, United States, we're reasonable people, right? If we feel like wearing a mask is going to make a difference, I think I think we're happy to do those and uh, respect our common citizen. But look, um, 
this may be a terrible example, but I, you know, we look back at nine eleven and those guys took over planes with uh, with the box cutters. Uh, that won't happen anymore in the United States, right? Uh, you caught us off guard once, and it won't happen again. And right. I will tell you, the people of Arkansas and the United States, we've we've experienced it, and uh, I think uh, the government is going to have a very difficult time uh, boxing people in again on something like this. I mean, we've changed the law in Arkansas on emergency rules, right? Uh, people just aren't going to have it. Uh, we're willing to be reasonable, um, and we expect the government to be reasonable with us. Do you think that uh, the state legislature needs to reduce some of the power of the executive in those such in situations like that? Well, I think we we re, we restrict it, right? We I, I still believe that the governor needs some absolute power to to make some immediate decisions when there is a pandemic that could be killing thousands of people. Uh, but that's why we give him some immediate power. Uh, but but. If they're going to have an emergency rule, then we've got to be called into the session really quick to confirm it uh, within a matter of days. And so I think we do agree that they got to be able to move swiftly and quickly with the information that they've got. But they got to bring us in and hear from all over Arkansas and people that are representing people and what's really happening. Were you a little bit concerned that it seemed like the Department of Health in here in Arkansas had a little bit too much power? Uh, I'm not a little bit concerned. I was gravely concerned. Okay with the amount of power that they seem to yield during that amount of that time. Okay. Is is that something that you all have to address come 2023? Well, here's what I say. Uh, personnel is policy, and I think we're going to see a bunch of new personnel with a, with, a new, with a new governor. And I think a lot of things that we were concerned about last time, we just wouldn't have to be concerned about this next time. All right. Final question for you. Explain to my listeners. What the pro tem position does? <laughs> that, that is a great question. Uh, so the pro tem in the state of Arkansas has almost no authority. Uh, right? So uh, the all authority that you have is what the members uh, uh, give you, basically just off of respect. We recognize that somebody's got to lead us, tell us when we're going to meet and what time we're going to meet the next day and help navigate difficult issues, and someone's got to go meet with, with the governor and the different branches. And so they just say, hey, we're electing you to kind of represent us, uh, but make no mistake, we will uh, cut your legs off if you're not doing right, and we'll, we'll put somebody else in that spot. So um, really it's just to communicate, communicate, communicate well with all the colleagues, make sure that the Senate is ran as efficiently and fairly to all members uh, as possible. You're not going to start a group called Common Ground 2, are you? <laughs> no, we will not be starting a group uh, Common Ground 2. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks for coming in, Bart. It's always a pleasure to see you. You've, I, he's, he's a great legislature, uh, he, legislator. He's a good senator, and he's a good friend as well. And he's been a friend of this show, and I thank you very much for that. Thank you, Dave, and thank you for 50-plus years of fighting for good conservative uh, causes and being a voice for all of us. Well, I'll do it as long as God allows me to. Is that all right? <laughs> That's great. All right. We'll see you we'll see you later. I'll let you get on out of here. I know you got things that you got to get to. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. It's Dave Ellswick's show. Let me remind you what's coming up tomorrow. Uh, Robert Steinbach is going to be coming. Uh, well, he'll be with us by phone. I think Chris Corbett is going to be with us by uh, uh, being here in the studio. Already the Supreme Court has released one of their rulings today dealing with New York and uh, guns. And it looks like they have said that their law in their state about uh, how you go about being able to have a firearm has been found unconstitutional. So we'll be talking about that. 
I, look, they said they thought they were going to release six different things today. We've only heard of one. We'll have to see what other ones come through. I don't know if the Roe v. Wade-Casey decision is going to come through. If it is, expect that we'll talk about that as well. I mean, when that decision comes through, we could spend two or three days and do every hour talking about it because it's really going to change the way things are done in our country. It's not for you who are out there beating your drums and uh, dyeing your hair chartreuse or whatever. Uh, let me tell you, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, abortion is going to be illegal in uh, the United States unless every state decides that it needs to be illegal. Now, I'll be able to tell you that here in Arkansas, it would be that way. But you could go across the state line to another state that offers uh, abortion. and be, You go to Kansas. Kansas has much more liberal abortion laws than what we have here in, uh, in Arkansas. I saw a story uh, the other, I think it was yesterday, uh, from, um, I'm trying to think who was it that had it. It was one of the conservative magazines, but they said that the travel distance right now to uh, a abortion facility is about 35 miles. That would increase to about 205 miles uh, if uh, they make they they overturn Roe v. Wade and Casey. It is not saying that abortion is illegal in our country. That's not what's coming down. No, see. You got it backwards. It was Roe v. Wade that said abortion was legal in our country because before that, it depended on the states and what they wanted to do. So what we're going to do is go back to the way it should have been in the beginning and was in the beginning and uh, travel there. So, again, stop saying that it's making abortion uh, illegal, period. That's not true. That's not true. And also understand the Democrats used to say that abortion should be safe but rare. That's not what they say anymore. It should be safe and open to anybody at any time that they want to have an abortion. That's what the Democratic Party says now. All right, so we'll do do that. Uh, Nine o'clock, Stephen uh, is going to be on with us, and we're going to talk with him about the travelers. And then, of course, we'll finish it up tomorrow with Matt Smith, and he and I will talk about one of the great things you do on the weekends, go to movies. I'm going tonight to see one of the new releases. I'm going to see the movie called Black Phone. It's a horror movie that's coming out. Ethan Hawke is in it, and it looks excellent. Um, I don't know. There's just something about that whole. I want to see. I don't want to see another movie about Elvis. I've I've kind of seen my share of Elvis movies, and I like the Kurt Russell one best, the one that he shoots the TV. That's the <laughs> that's the one that I like the best. I'll see you tomorrow morning, six a.m. here on the Dave Ellswick Show.